Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, church. What an exciting morning it is to be in church and get ready. I feel like God has a great word for us this morning. Um, And if it's not for you, it was for me, so... You just have to indulge me in that. Um, and I'm excited. Also, pre-warning, it's the Olympics, so you'll hear some sports analogies. Um, and we're going to be introduced to three different Tims on top of me, so that's a total of four Tims. It was inconsequential. Um, it just happened to be that way, I promise. Um, but look forward to it. Uh, I'm excited for this message this morning. Um, and I'm really honoured, to be honest, to be finishing up. So Mel and Paul for giving me the opportunity and honour them uh, for everything that they do. As Amanda said, they're on a well-earned break. Uh, and I think the closer you, or the more you see behind the curtain, um, the more you realise that they need the break. <laughs> um, so thank you to them for letting me wrap up this series. But We've been looking at the Holy Spirit for the last four weeks. We've seen lots of different things about what the Holy Spirit does, um, how we can fellowship with the Spirit, how we can uh, receive gifts from the Spirit, be guided, be anointed. We've learned about the power of the Spirit. We've learned about how we can receive it in our lives. We've heard some, from some great ministers, from Pastor Mel, Pastor Paul, from Stu. And I'm not going to lie to you, I got to preparing for my message and I thought, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> There's a bit of intimidation on me as I was preparing. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not as, you know, comfortable in the spirit like they are. I'm not as experienced, and dare I say, I'm not even as spiritual. And I stopped and I was trying to work out how, how, do, I, how do I add something in week five of this topic. And on top of all that, I'm also a bit of a head person. I like to work out the logic, the reasoning, understand why. And I'm not as much of a heart person, so I was searching and searching and searching for what to say. And then I realized, well, hang on, what am, what am I talking on? I'm, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe I should ask God what he wants to say. Wouldn't that be a novel idea? So I did, and we've got three things, three things that he wants to tell us today. And the first is that he's an advocate. The second is that he fills us with power. And the third is just the word quench. So turn to, the part, turn to the person next to you and say, quench. And I promise you, it will all become clear. But we'll get to quench at the end. And you can hold me accountable to that as we go. Uh, and and, and I, I think there's something for all of us. And I think uh, God, God has been speaking to me through this message. So I hope he speaks to you. So let's crack open the word. We're going to read a big chunk of it because I love the Bible and I think we can never get too much of it, right? So we're going to read from John chapter 14, verse 15, and it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and, be, and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and I will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. All right, we're going to pray this morning, church, as we get started. Lord, we thank you that you have sent your Son to us and you have left your Holy Spirit with us. Lord, I pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we will get to know Him intimately, that we will let Him do a good thing in our lives. But Lord, I pray that we'll be a church who keeps your commands, who obeys you and loves you. And Lord God, I pray that over the next two weeks, the Australian Olympic team will come home with medals in abundance, Lord God. In your name, amen. So because it's the Olympics, I'm going to indulge myself. I haven't used a sports analogy in any of my messages in a long time, even at youth. So you're going to have to suck it up because it's the time for it. And one of the newest sports at the Olympics, believe it or not, is golf. And I know, boring. But I love golf, and I've got the microphone. And I like to play it. I can sometimes hit it straight. Uh, Not all the time. But I also like to watch it. Believe it or not, it's an action-packed sport because they just cut to whoever's playing the next shot. It's not like cricket where they're just blocking all day. Anyway, I'll get off my high horse. But one of the things in golf, once you can get good enough or rich enough, is you can get yourself a caddy. And a caddy, well, one of the unwritten rules in golf is that a caddy is to show up, keep up, and shut up. They're there to hold the bag, clean the clubs, give you the right one when you need it, but not put you off your game. Just maybe say, good shot, every now and then. That's all they're there to do. But a good caddy, a good caddy might do a little bit more. A good caddy might provide a bit of advice. They might have the local knowledge. They might know how this green plays. They might know how the player is playing. They might be able to advise what they need to do better. They might give tips to maximize the performance of their player. And this happened recently. One of the golf majors uh, We're going to be introduced to Tim number one, and his name is Tim Mickelson. He's the brother brother and caddy for Phil Mickelson. And recently at the PGA Championship, Phil was playing, gets to day four, he's winning, he's got a chance to win the whole thing. Through six holes, he's not playing well. And his brother, his caddy, calls him up and he says, Phil, you're not committing to your shots. He says, you're just being too cute about it. You're, not, you're hitting everything short. If you want to win today, you need to hit the ball properly. He told him a bit of a blunt truth. He told him something Phil maybe didn't want to hear but needed to hear. He told him just the way it was. And so I'll tell you the ending. He actually did hit it properly for the rest of the day. He ended up winning 
became the oldest major champion winner in uh, golf history at 50 years old. So if I can work out how to hit it straight, I've got ages. So <laughs> that's my plan. And I'm not going to compare the Holy Spirit to a caddy in golf, but I think there's some, there are some similarities. And the thing I think he, they have in common is that they need to tell it the way it is. See, a good caddy needs to be able to tell their player, mate, you're hitting it 20 meters short today. You're going to hit it in the water unless you hit it properly. Or they'll say, you need this club. But that's the one that I hit further. Yes, you're not hitting things far enough today. A good caddy needs to be able to tell their player the way it is. And the Holy Spirit, as we just read, is the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is going to tell you the way it is in your life. Now, you may have heard that there is an advocate in heaven. You may have heard this idea of advocate before. You thought, hang on, Tim. Isn't the advocate up there arguing on my behalf to God to remind him that you're a believer in Christ and that you're saved and therefore God has forgiven your sins? And that's true. There is an advocate up there in heaven doing it on our behalf. But that's Jesus. See, if we read in John chapter 14, it says, I will send you another advocate and that that advocate will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, the Holy Spirit is going to be arguing not with God, but with the enemies that we are going to be facing. He's going to be arguing with us to remind us of the truth about who we are. So our advocate, the Holy Spirit, whilst the golf caddy will protect their player from hitting the ball into the water, the Holy Spirit is going to protect us from the enemies that we face, such as pride, overconfidence, temptation, self-doubt, and all other sin. And he does this by reminding us that we are sinners. In John chapter 16, Jesus tells us that, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can, know, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. See, the Holy Spirit knows that sometimes, and if I'm being really honest, regularly, our hearts need to be reminded of the fact that we need Jesus, that we aren't as great as we think we are. And in fact, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 19, uh, 17, verse 9, the, he says, he observed that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our hearts try and tell us that we are fine, that everything is okay, that we don't need Jesus. Our hearts try and tell us that that small sin that we think is inconsequential will not do anything to our life. Our heart tells us that when we, if we give in to that one temptation, you know the temptation, if we give in to it one more time, it's not a big deal. Our heart tries and tells us that we don't need God. And that's not even, before, that's before we even get to the sins that we're not even aware of in our life. 
That's before we start to realize that we're getting bogged down and burnt out at work just so we can impress some people who it doesn't really matter. Or when we start to idolize things that we think are okay, like having the perfect family, the perfect home. And we start idolizing that instead of focusing on God. And if I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself because I know that I get focused on this all the time. But the Holy Spirit is here to remind us that we need God. That in all these things, we need Him. That we can't do it on our own. We need to be reminded that our ego and our pride is getting in the way. So the Holy Spirit needs to remind us we are sinners who need God. He's that voice inside our head, like Pastor Mel mentioned a few weeks ago, that reminds us to open the Bible, to pray, to seek Him. He's the one reminding us not to do that thing. The one reminding us to be generous, to be loving, to be kind. But reminding us of just how much we need God is only one half of the equation. See, the Holy Spirit also encourages us, advocates to us by reminding us who we are in God. A good caddy is not just there to tell the player when they need to do something better, but to encourage them that they can do something great. The Holy Spirit is doing that for us as well. He will remind us not just about the truths that we need God, but the truths about who we are in God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we are loved, cherished, able to have a close relationship with Him, that there is a plan and a purpose in our life. Most importantly, that we are saved. He won't condemn us. He just needs to remind us of the fact that we need God, but he'll also encourage us of all that we are in God. And in Romans 8, verse 14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies. He advocates with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. The Spirit has come to bring us into sonship. Let that sink in. We are sons and daughters of God. The Spirit will remind us of this when we forget about the truth of who we are, when we need to be encouraged and lift our heads up to keep everything in right balance. So in preparing for today, I was looking at this word advocate. And something I found really cool is the, the word advocate means uh, in the original Greek, it's parakletos, or parakletos, I don't know how to pronounce it. And this has been translated into several different words, such as counselor, comforter, intercessor, but here's what I found cool. Tim number two, Tim Keller, he proposes that this word best translates into greatest friend. 
The Holy Spirit is our greatest friend. It's that friend that walks in the front door without knocking, walks straight to the fridge, grabs a bite to eat. The friend that never leaves us. The friend that is there to call us out when we mess up, but equally is there to prop up our head, to hold us high and call us into the life that we are called to live. Our, ad, our, Holy Spirit, our advocate, the Holy Spirit, will do both these things. Will argue with us to remind us that we are sinners who need God. Because that is the truth. But the truth is also that God has called us to such a great life in Him. That we are loved. That He's made us. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So, He's our advocate. And he's the one that will remind us of what we can do in Christ. And part of that is point number two, that the Holy Spirit will fill us with power. I'm going to use all of my sports analogies today in one message because it's the Olympics. And one of the things that I love about sports is that moment when you see the athlete realize they've got this. And it's not like they ease off the pedal they're actually filled with more power just to run through the finish line. You know uh, that, that photo of Usain Bolt in like 2008 as he's like so far ahead and it's only 100 meters and he turns around and he smiles. He doesn't slow down. He runs through the finish line. Or the face on the players as they're, you know, they're up by five in the final quarter of the NBA finals and their coach or their captain is, you know, encouraging them in to believe that they can do this, that they can run to the end and their faces go from grimaces of pain to that look of hope, that look of power, that second wind, wind that they've got this. And I got sidetracked yesterday watching the road race. Six hours, that's a commitment. No, I was just in and out. I was just in and out. But my edgier seat stuff until the last 10 minutes and the guy went ahead and you just could see, he turns around, he's like, oh, I've got this. And his face goes from straining to get there to light and easy. And you know, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled with power direct from God. This is Timothy number three, which is the Bible, Timothy. And it says, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So I wonder if sometimes, like me, you start to feel that doing all this church stuff can just be a little much. Not enough, like, it's not that you don't believe, but... Sometimes Sunday morning would be great if I could just go and play golf even. Cut church out. Or opening the Bible, it's a bit of a hassle. Being hopeful, being generous, being kind and loving when I'm at work or out in, just out and about. Just it's, it can be a bit much and I'd prefer not to be held to that standard. You know? Or I don't want to have to work out how to be a Christian in this world, let alone work out what I believe on every different topic and every different issue. Maybe I could just mail it in. 
And worst case scenario, I know that I still believe and that that'll be good enough. I know that sometimes it's the bland, everyday, boring things that seem to be the biggest challenge to my faith. That they just get me bogged down. And instead of focusing on God, on being faithful, on sharing his love in the world, I just want to mail it in. Well, that's the enemy trying to distract us with the boring, mundane, benign things of the world. But our advocate, the Holy Spirit, will fill us with power to spread God's love. Because when we are timid in our faith, if we aren't fanning into flame the Holy Spirit, Spirit in our lives, the little things we, affa- we face appear bigger than they really are. And so this verse is especially applicable. Let me explain. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to exhort him, to encourage him to be strong and bold in his faith. And the reason he calls out the word timid is because, and some scholars believe that, or have interpreted and researched and found that they think Paul was concerned about Timothy. He thought that Timothy's gentle nature was not going to hold up to the opposition he was facing, the opposition to the gospel that he was experiencing. And so instead he says, hey, Timothy, you're not here to be timid. Instead, you're here to be filled with power by the Holy Spirit. And that situation sounds so familiar to me because I know there are opponents of the gospel all around me. And even they themselves may not even know it. And I can be timid. I can be shy and too gentle. And that might mean that when somebody asks me on a Monday morning, how was your weekend? My weekend only included Saturday, just so I didn't even have to talk about church. Or somebody might ask me, well, Tim, why are, you so, why are you still so happy? It's four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. It's blowing a gale outside this Friday. It's drizzly, it's raining, it's grey and it's freezing cold and we don't want to be here. It's four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Why are you still so happy? And I don't tell them that actually I'm excited, guys. In two hours, I'm going to be worshipping God with a bunch of youth kids who I get to minister to and see grow and believe in God. Or maybe I'm just too timid to mention God, to mention church, let alone to say that I believe in Him. And now I'm not saying that we need to be going around doing all those things all the time. They're just examples from my life where I know that I have been too timid at times. But this verse encourages me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, I shouldn't be shy or gentle or timid about what I believe. But in fact, I should stand on the powerful truth that is Jesus. The powerful truth that is in God. I'm not saying we have to be weird, like Pastor Mel said. But I'm just saying, where can you start to fan into flame the Holy Spirit in your life? It could be that you just need to say what you did on Sunday. <laughs> or it could be, like, like Stu was telling us a few weeks ago, what are you saying to yourself on the way to that meeting? Are you encouraging, are you asking the Holy Spirit to tell you what to say? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to encourage you when you're feeling down? 
Are you asking the Holy Spirit to help you be generous and kind and loving to the people in your life? See, I know that I want to be bold and confident in my faith because I believe not just in an idea, but in the God who created the universe. So I'm nearly done, but I haven't got to quench. I know you've been waiting on the edge of your seat. What does quench have to do with all of this? And I'm going to do a quick social experiment. Uh, When I think of quench, I have a positive reaction, right? You know, it's like quenching my thirst. I need to quench my thirst. Maybe raise your hand. If you think of quench, do you have a positive reaction? Uh, Lots of people aren't putting their hands on. I can see it on your face. Don't worry. It's okay. But I did a bit of research. I was like, okay, God, you want to talk about quenching? I'm going to need to know what quenching means. And here's what it means. It means to satisfy, yes, so we satisfy our thirst. But the second part is it means to extinguish and specifically to extinguish a flame. So you can quench a fire by putting it out. And it makes sense. You're quenching your thirst. You're putting out your thirst. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, we are reminded of something else we can quench but really shouldn't. And hopefully this doesn't come as a surprise. But it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And here we hit hit it. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit. We've just read in John that we should fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We remember in Acts that the disciples are baptized with tongues of fire. We have a fire burning inside of us that is the Holy Spirit, and we need to be fanning it into flames. We should not quench the Spirit in our lives. So as we finish up this series on the Holy Spirit, I want to leave you with some questions and the Spirit in your life. Are you neglecting connecting with Him? Are you neglecting to connect with the Spirit Jesus has left us? Are you no longer in touch with the greatest friend you will ever have? Are you keeping your faith so well hidden that sometimes you even forget what you believe? Or are you insatiable? Can you just not get enough? Can you just not get enough of the Holy Spirit, God, in your life? Are you asking Him what He thinks? Are you spending time with Him? Are you mentioning to your friends and family that you love Jesus Christ and that they should love Him too because He is the greatest thing that will ever happen? Can you just not get enough of the Spirit? When we do this, when we fan the Spirit into flames, we are filled with power, we're filled with the truth. So are you spending time with Him in prayer, in the Word, in worship? Do you have the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control filling your life? As I said, I love that quench means to put out a fire. Because I don't want to put out a fire in my life that is that powerful and that good. So the way I see it, we have two options, two choices. We can either quench the Spirit in our life, 
or we can fan it into flames. I know which one I'm going to choose. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.